All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Good morning. Today is Thursday, July 6, 2023. This is episode number 402 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Where's my chat? Chat, 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 chat. <laughs> Me, you, Senfilis, Marcus Seiler, Terrence Banks, Matthew Necci, Jesse Johnson, who just was able to make it here for Team Live. My man, Cyber Munchkin in the house. Haven't seen Cyber Munchkin in a hot minute. Jamie Fleck, as usual. And all of you, the Simply Cyber community, the Simply Cyber squad members, Team Live, Team Replay. Passive, no, Team Replay's not here. Strike that. Passive Observer. Team first-timers, we're going to be shredding through the top cyber news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get massive value here because you will be asked in any job interview, I promise you, what do you do to stay current in our industry or in, in the industry? And this is going to be a phenomenal answer. But before we get into it, I want to say shout out and love. To the stream sponsors i do not have my notes up so <laughs> oh uh, allow me to like you know do a soft uh, uh like tap dance here while i get the notes up hello how are you oh i'm fine thank you do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> all right with a shout out to the stream sponsors where are you guys operating with um operating with limited real estate uh, is a problem. Oh, before I get into the stream sponsors, holler at you. Um, we have a raffle today, so stay tuned to the mid-roll where I'm going to be raffling off um, a really great prize, so you're not going to want to miss that at all. All right, so whatever. The stream sponsors, let's get into that. Barricade Cyber, my man, Eric Taylor, the gang up in here, making the show possible every single day. I show up 8 a.m. every single morning except when I'm on vacation, and then Eric Taylor shows up which just shows you the level of Barricade Cyber Solutions love that's coming up in here. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions better believe they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com, links in the description below. If you go to their website and you're watching uh, the stream, not listening to it on your audio podcast app of choice. You can see that I've got Eric Taylor's calendar right up on screen right now. It is Thursday, July 6th. Looks like his 10 a.m. is booked, so you missed that window. But if you want, you can get on his 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time calendar slot and talk to him about your business. Literally, I'll tell you what, guys. Here's a fact. Driving to New Hampshire the other day. Got a call from someone who was actively dealing with a cyber incident. I couldn't help him because, you know, <laughs> I was doing 80 miles an hour. I talked, to him, I talked to him for a few minutes, got what I needed, then flipped it immediately to Eric Taylor at Barricade Cyber. You know why? Because I know what the man can do and I know what his team can do. So, you know, I'm not just blowing hot air at you. Uh, it's what I would do, too. All right. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, Daniel... Uh, Daniel, who's Daniel? Brandon Poole, 
the whole gang over at Penobscot Security deliver an awesome value to organizations of many sizes. But the one organization uh, skill that is lacking for many is the ability to perform a quantified risk assessment, especially internally, because let's be real. And can I get a hashtag preach in chat if you felt this? You could do an internal risk assessment and leadership's like, that's nice, next. But if you do an external risk assessment, leadership's like, oh, tell me more. What other problems do we have, external auditor? So external quantified risk assessments have massive value. On top of that, a quantified risk assessment can tell you um, statistically what your likelihood of uh, suffering certain cyber events is, is going to be. And if you invest in certain technology, certain processes, eliminate certain things in your organization, how that changes the calculus of your statistical probability. It's like basically being able to forecast the future. Not so much to win the lottery, but not to get um, ramrodded by some threat actor uh, messing up your operation. There it is. Space Tacos knows what I'm talking about. All right. Chris Hansen. Hashtag Team Live three months. Way to go, Chris. Loved you on uh, To Catch a Predator. All right, also I wanna say a shout out to Anti-Siphon, but we'll talk about them later. I forgot when I have three sponsors, I do one at the mid-roll, but super excited for Black Hills and Anti-Siphon. Now, before we get directly into the news, a quick couple pieces of housekeeping. One, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat to get those CPEs, uh, at least to document that you are here. You do have to process them the, yourself for your certification body. But hashtag team live in chat if you're not sure what to say. Hashtag team replay if you're watching on replay. You know, if you're team replay, you know, hold on. How do I get my hand in here? I'm going to learn to put my hand in here. If you're team replay, you know dang well how much I love myself some team replay. I was team replay a couple days last week. You feel me? So team replay, let me know uh, what you love about the show or what you don't like. And we can uh, have a di dialogue around that. Hashtag passive observer if you're shy or you can't really uh, chat too much. I, I've learned that passive observer is bigger than what I thought. I thought passive observer is people that were shy, introverted, not sure how to engage. Take your first step into the professional networking light by hashtag passive observer and we wanted to welcome you. But it, it was brought to my attention today by Haircut Fish that some people are working and don't have the, uh, they want to listen but they can't really engage on the keyboard. So they're passive observers also but i feel like when i say passive observer i'm talking about those shy people all right matt mcdaniel's coming in double hot team live and live love it uh and then also if you guys are new here 144 of you beautiful people but if you're listening to this whether on replay or live and this is your first time here hashtag team first timer you can only be a first timer once but i am working my butt off diligently simply cyber community members to have a wider reach and to find more people and hopefully to help those people find us and help themselves uh, launch and level up their cybersecurity career. So I'm working my tail off up in here. So hashtag first timer was a good one. Uh, Harish Kumar, once time passive observer. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So uh, a reminder, it is Thursday, which is uh, meme of the week. We've got a great meme from Dan, uh, a.k.a. Haircut Fish. You guys will love it. I do not. Uh, uh, I don't censor it in any way. It does have to do with me this week, so you'll enjoy that. Um, and then the final thing I'll say, like I said, there is a raffle at the mid-roll, so stay tuned for that. Actually, while we're talking about that, 
Um, I'll do this a little bit on screen, but just allow me, you guys, I need to, I need to uh, giveaways, get this ready. All right. So when it's time to do the giveaway, um, we will be able to do the giveaway. Whoops. All right. And the giveaway, just so we're not screwing around, the giveaway keyword is THM. David Meese is donating two TriHackMe vouchers uh, for access to the platinum, our premium platform of TriHackMe, one today and one tomorrow. Uh, thanks for the squad membership, DP. Um, and let me know, Jeff Hodgen, thanks for the squad membership. Um, THM is the keyword uh, if you want to enter the raffle. Compliments of David Meese, but more about that later on in the show. Now, if you would, my friends, please sit back. Carrie's entered. Please sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us all in an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, July 6th, 2023. Japan's major port hit with ransomware. The port of Nagoya is Japan's busiest port, accounting for about 10% of the country's total trade volume. The port's administrative authority issued a notice that a ransomware attack on July 4th impacted the Nagoya Port Unified Terminal System, or NUTS. This impacted operations, canceling the loading and unloading of ship containers onto trailers. Authorities say it plans to restore NUTS and resume operations by the morning of July 6th. No word on what group orchestrated the attack. Okay, first of all, shout out to whoever the um, hilarious uh, contractor was that was involved in naming this, or shout out to the lack of um, the lack of stewardship of whoever was involved, who whoever was in the room when they when they named <laughs> when they named this place. <laughs> Ship my package to your nuts. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's not even slightly subtle. Oh my god. Oh my god, excuse me. <clears throat> wow. Okay, so let's put that aside. Let's put that let's put that away. Let's hey, let's let's zip this one up and let's not let's not focus too much on this one. Um Oh, thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Um Okay, I'm going to try to look past this thing. Um Okay, so Japan's largest port hit. A couple things I'll say about this. So ransomware, we all know ransomware has been around for so long. Um, hitting a large port is a, especially for an island country, uh, is pretty serious. Okay, ten percent is not massive. You know, ninety percent of the rest of the import exports go through a different port. So that's that's at least somewhat nice of, of as far as diversifying. Um, the risk. And by the way, okay, so actually I'm going to be able to pair this to a cybersecurity lesson as well. So just give me a second. Um, this port obviously had prepared for ransomware attacks. It sounds like their incident response team is super sick because they said they were going to have it up in like 24 hours. Recovery times of 24 hours is bananas. You would be surprised. Thank you so much, Cyber Shingami. Um, it, it's ridiculous um, coming back up from a massive cyber ransomware attack in 24 hours. They must have been practicing. They must have been uh, maybe doing warm sites, or or it's possible um, it's possible that the ransomware attack was not actually significant, and 
they stopped operations, like basically like hitting the big red emergency button on the manufacturing floor to stop everything in order to um, make containment very easy or, or, or easier to stop the spread. So, cause if you think about it, if a port got hit with ransomware and you're trying to clean it up, but continue to run the port, it can, it can spread. It can get through there. You can have issues with containment. If you just shut it all down, like you're at a job site and you're like, shut it down, right? You can then stop everything, go over, contain, clean up. Yes. It's a few hours of downtime, but it's very, very, uh, very, very smart. And it's a lot of foresight to be able to suffer uh, immediate pain so you can clean up faster, um, you know, so like over the long term, it's better. Um, what I was going to say about the lesson learned here for, you know, your business, because you might be like, Jerry, I'm not in the manufacturing business or I'm not in transportation or I'm not in Japan or I'm not in ports, whatever it is. This is a great opportunity to highlight, I would argue, to... Uh, your boss or whatever, like like flag this story and say, hey, listen, most ransomware attacks, you're down for about seven days, okay? This is, you can go look this up. It's statistics, right? Five to seven days, they usually cost X amount of dollars. Japan was able to come up in 24 hours. Um, it's, you know, you can, you can fudge the numbers a little bit, but it's because they were doing tabletop exercises. It's because they had tested their backups. It's because of these things. We should... Uh, uh, CJ Irby says, what do I mean by warm sites? A warm, so in the world of InfoSec, there's like hot sites, warm sites, and cold sites. And a hot site is like a second facility that's doing the exact same thing as you. And you can literally just like flip a switch, move your people over, and they're up and running. However, those sites cost an ass. Those sites cost a buttload of money. Warm sites are like key infrastructures there. Maybe you don't have power there, but you can get it turned on. Like basically you can bring up a site in 24 hours, but it costs less money. And then a cold site is like, you just have a building somewhere and it's gonna take you five days to bring it up because you gotta bring all your computers and order stuff and it's a hot mess, but it costs the least amount of money, which is what the bean counter is like. Great cash, homie. All right, so uh, let's keep rolling on uh, on this. And uh, you know, good, good solid start to the news stories, right? Nuts. European court orders changes to Meta's data practices. Back in 2019, the German government's antitrust authority directed the company, then known as Facebook, to change how it tracks customers on its web and mobile apps. That decision argued Meta forces users to unwittingly share data across its apps and third-party websites by using likes and shared posts. Now, a ruling by the European Union's Court of Justice upheld that ruling, calling Meta's practices a violation of GDPR. The court instructed national regulators to use GDPR enforcement as a mechanism to get Meta to change its practices. Injunction. All right. Sorry, I was typing about hot sites um, and how hot sites are wicked expensive, almost prohibitively. All right. So an EU court decision uh, orders made Meta to change data practices. Okay. It's another day, another dollar. And when I say dollar, I'm talking about a GDPR fine dollar. Uh, the European Union continues to lead the world in privacy and privacy rights. And as much as the United States is like in the pursuit of life, liberty, and justice and freedom, the European Union's in the pursuit of privacy for everybody, right? Um, uh, yeah, so the news is, uh, it can be global. It can be global. 
Uh, I'm just you. Also, I want to point out, I want to start saying this every morning. I do not look at these stories or review these stories or prepare for this show in any capacity. So you're seeing them first time with me, and this is my honest gut response and reaction. Okay, so now getting back to this one. Um, <clears throat> it's not surprising <clears throat> the EU is doing this. They've been they've been fining and ratcheting Meta and Amazon, frankly, uh, for years and now it sounds like um, there was some interoperability. Meta, here's the thing, guys. Meta has acquired multiple businesses and has teams of developers working independently or siloed from other de developers. So it's not, it's not uncommon. It's not unrealistic to assume that there is some data seepage between one app and another because they don't. It, they're not. They're not doing that level of um, governance that it would need in order to prevent these type of things happening. Again, it's about money. Great cash, homie. Right? A, um, if they don't look, it can happen and they can make money off the data. B, it costs money to hire people to do the governance and do the extra work. So they're not doing that. The European Union is stepping in with sanctions to say they're going to do it. Here's the deal. Either Meta's going to do it or they're going to get fined or they're going to be asked not to play in the European Union, which is a huge market for them. So they're obviously going to play, but I'm sure they're going to get their lawyers involved and um you know kind of drag this thing out to the to, to like to whatever makes the most uh, sense for them from a financial perspective cash, homie. a lot of straight cash homies going on uh one other programming note if you were in yesterday's show so you are not a team first timer there was a story about instagram and um like Twitter threads or whatever and i said it was really weird if if you remember the story about threads the new social media app um, I made a mistake, or the story we read made a mistake. I, I read another story on it last night. Threads is basically Meta's response to Twitter. Threads is supposed to be a Twitter killer, and it's it's based on like kind of your Instagram profile, but it's text only, just like Twitter. So that's what's up with that. Okay. Restricts White House contact with social media companies. Judge Terry A. Doughty issued an injunction barring some officials in the White House, CISA, the FBI, and Homeland Security from contacting social media companies about moderating content protected under the First Amendment. The injunction comes from a lawsuit brought by attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri against President Biden, the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, and Department of Homeland Security, alleging that since 2017, government officials began planning for a systemic and systematic campaign to control speech on social media. The judge issued the injunction saying the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits of the case. The injunction includes exemptions for national security threats, public safety, cyber attacks, and other malicious activity. A White House spokesperson speaking to the New York Times said the Justice Department began reviewing the ruling to evaluate any next steps. Wow. You can okay, so... You, okay, wow. All right, so this is not a good look. Uh, <laughs> this is not a good look. Uh, you know, whether you're, this is not a uh, political show, so whether you are Republican or Democrat or something in the middle or you're, you know, whatever, something other than that, um, in the United States at least, you would like to have democracy, right? That's kind of the goal here, democracy, right? You can have your opinion and I can have mine, right? I think we should invest in roads and you think we should invest in you know, border walls, or I think we should invest in education and you think we should invest in healthcare, like whatever it is, but we can have a freaking conversation about it. Um, 
but what that does not mean is that people in power, whether Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative or whatever, it does not mean that they should be censoring. This is like why it's the First Amendment um, should have been wor- written into the freaking Constitution to start with. But, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll allow for amendments. This is why uh, the First Amendment is freedom of speech, right? So, like, you can't be censored. If we look at some of these other um, governments in the world, I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> some of these governments in the world that, like, hyper-suppress um, media uh, to the to the point of, like, ghosting individuals, like, or not ghosting, but, like, disappearing people. Like, there's countries where, like, if you have an opinion that's not aligned with, like, the mainstream government, you just kind of disappear, problem solved from the government's perspective, okay? That's not how we roll in the U.S. So when you see a story like this where federal government is um, reaching out to social media sites, which is basic, let's be real, social media is the new um, news, right? Like you can go, like it used to, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was like Washington Post, New York Times, um, you know, uh, the Boston Globe or like whatever, like the main newspapers, that's how you controlled media. Now, social media, it's uh, decentralized. So in order to suppress things, you'd have to go to the platform themselves, the big tech companies, and uh, request those suppressions. Now, we've seen it internally, right, with Twitter and the Twitter papers, where they're suppressing data uh, and viewpoints and stuff that, uh, that didn't align with the board of directors at Twitter or the executive team at Twitter. But this is different. This is government involvement, if it proves to be true. Now, the, the final thing I'll say about this is, I wholeheartedly do not endorse federal government suppression of free speech. Having said that, um, they do. Uh, there's two things I want to point out um, because it's not, dude. This isn't 1940s Superman comic book where it's like very obvious who the good guy is and very obvious who the bad guy is. Things are complicated. Things are messy. Things are not simple boolean on or off. Um, ones or zeros. So free speech is one thing, but there are exceptions where the government can reach out. For example, national security threats, threats to election security, uh, public safety threats, right? Like you can't, you know, you like if you're posting that you're going to go do some type of horrible mass shooting um, and you're like asking people to join your cause, like, yeah, that should probably be pulled down. I would argue that the federal government might not even like you'd hope that the platform itself would be already taking it down before it got requested. But um, the other thing I was going to say is, and again, this isn't a political show, but you know, some of the QAnon stuff, some of the really extreme kind of wild, salacious, um, you know, conspiracy theory type stuff that, that um, kind of tears at the fabric of society um, that to me, I mean, it gets really, it gets really, really, um, murky when you talk about, um, national security threats, right? So national security threat, there's no clear definition for that, right? So like you, it gets very gray, like who defines what it is. If I think that some type of like QAnon conspiracy is a national security threat because it's tearing at the fabric of society, can I suppress it, right? It gets wicked, wicked messy. But the TLDR for this story is, it sounds like the U.S. federal government, specifically the Biden administration, got their hands stuck in the cookie jar uh, trying to suppress some stuff around COVID. So it'll be interesting to see how the what happens with this. And my final point on this, I am damn glad that in the United States, we can do this 
um, like call out the federal government and not worry about retribution or being disappeared. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine if I didn't, if I couldn't say what I just said in the last two minutes because I was afraid that my family would be taken away from me? That's insane. That's insane. So thank goodness for the U.S. A law could allow for real-time internet logs. A U.K. government inquiry into fraud in the country found that it costs society at least 4.7 billion pounds each year, but that less than 8% of reported fraud crimes end up investigated. It deemed the level of policing focus not up to scale and complexity to modern fraud. To combat this, the government began considering a new law that would empower its GCHQ intelligence agency to monitor logs of domestic internet traffic in real time to identify and disrupt fraud. Currently, the UK government can request internet connection records from telcos, which can be used to identify a person suspected of a crime. It's unclear how GCHQ would overcome the technical hurdles for such real-time monitoring if the law came into effect. And now... All right. <laughs> All right. Seems like it's one of those days. All right. So let's talk about this from a societal perspective and from a technical perspective, okay? So I don't know who GCHQ is. I'm sure it's some type of like... Um, UK CIA or UK FBI. It, it sounds like it's some type of like, uh, it's the UK's equivalent of the NSA. Thanks, Alex Goodwin. Okay, so basically allowing the NSA in the United Kingdom to monitor, to monitor, it sounds like <clears throat> internal UK network traffic for fraud. Okay, now let's talk about the technical hurdle of this one because that's the easy one. Guys, if you have ever, 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 tried to implement a uh, stateful packet uh, capture firewall, okay? And I know I'm getting a little in the weeds here, but if you've ever tried to implement a stateful packet firewall, basically uh, a firewall that the packets go up and then you open them up at the um, transport layer and look what's in there and then bundle them back up and send them down or you block them, right? Because most... Um, or you look at them at the data layer, most firewalls, um, you're looking at the network layer and you're saying, okay, like, is this IP allowed? Yes or no. Can this IP talk to this IP? Is this, um, I mean, that's usually how it works, right? Or is this DNS name allowed or whatever? Okay. When you go up the OSI stack, and I know I'm getting into like your network plus days here, but when you go up the network plus, um, excuse me, when you go up the OSI stack, it's more load on the firewall. Like every time you open up another level of the firewall, do you guys, I don't know if you remember um, Total Recall. You remember the movie Total Recall when like Schwarzenegger's wearing that old woman outfit and then like his head starts opening up and it like scales back and then the, the good guys or the bad guys figure out it's Schwarzenegger and he's like, get to the choppers. He didn't say that in Total Recall, but it was fun to say. Anyways, that's what's happening when you're exploding the different layers of the OSI stack or whatever, the network stack. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, which is fine if you have infinite um, compute power, right? But if you think about the stream of data, right? We're talking like gigabits a second. You're going to take all that data and blow it up and look at the data, make some type of analysis on it right? And then bundle it back up and send it down. The amount of load to do that is bananas. It's bananas, okay? So if the UK is going to do this, you're talking about funneling these huge pipes. We're probably talking in the, in the magnitude of like hundreds of gigabytes, if not terabytes of data going through this pipe, going through some type of super processor engine 
maybe this is the use case for um, quantum computing. Okay. But it, it's just too much of a load. So like technically if they pass this law, cool. And maybe it's to scare people. Um, but for the most part, I think it could be really hard. Oh God, here we go. It could be, here we go. Um, there we go. This is what I'm talking about right there. Yes, that's the OSI stack getting blown up and that's being put back together. Ready? That's it. OSI open, inspect, 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 OS close. Now do that over and over again um, at high speed. It's just not real, okay? You can't, you can't really do it. Thank you mods for uh, that link. Okay, now just for a hot, uh, so Bashir Delati, when I say OSI, I'm just flippantly saying it, OSI or TCP IP, whatever you want to call it, when it comes across the wire and goes up to the, um, to the layer, like the application layer where you can see what the data actually is, whether it's encrypted or not, that's what I'm talking about. Like opening up the frame, opening up the, the packet, opening up the header, like, you know what I mean? Like opening each layer up, like basically opening the envelope and taking the envelope inside out, then opening that envelope out and open, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So that's the technical hurdle, which will make it very, very difficult to implement this if at all possible. The second thing is, and I'll just be brief about this. This is essentially very similar to the Patriot Act. If you go back to 2001, after 9-11 in the United States, the United States passed the Patriot Act, which basically gave the federal government some carte blanche access to look into things in the name of national security, which on the surface, yeah, absolutely. The problem is it can be weaponized to look at other things that may not be related directly with terrorism. So in this instance, the UK could use this to look for fraud. That is the challenge. Fraud, fraud, fraud. Let's stop the fraud. Okay, let's say that the fraud gets stopped. Now you've got this capability built into your infrastructure to be able to look at stuff. So now let's turn, hey, like let's real quick, like fraud's really bad. There were bombings on the London uh, Metro or the tube or whatever y'all call it. Let's look for that stuff. Oh, hey, look, there's some dissidents over here. Oh, there's like the, um, you know, th there's people pushing back on Brexit. Like you see how it becomes a slippery slope. Anytime you give some type of real strong um, surveillance capability to any power, they can use it in any way that they seem fit, okay? Again, <clears throat> I know <clears throat> Bashir said the show is getting a little political today. If you're a regular of the show, you know that I, I veer away from the political stuff. It's just the stories are, are being presented to me. Word from our sponsor, Slashnext. Slashnext, a leader in SaaS-based integrated cloud messaging security across email, web, and mobile, has the industry's first artificial intelligence solution, Human AI, that uses generative AI to defend against advanced business email compromise, supply chain attacks, executive impersonation, and financial fraud. Request a demo today. All right. Um. All right, guys, so it's the mid-roll. We got a lot to do, but every mid-roll starts with the following. All right, guys, thank you all so very much uh, for being here today. I want to thank you, Alex Goodwin, Funky Monk, Billy DP, Kimberly, Eric Taylor, Jenny Housley, the whole mod community, Space Tacos, all of you that show up every day, all of you that are here for the first time, all of you that are true true passive observers and never type in chat but you can hear my voice right now thank you for being part of the community i genuinely appreciate it 
I also want to say shout out and thanks to Anti-Siphon Training, who is the newest sponsor and also is the training arm of Black Hills Information Security. If you do not know who Black Hills Information Security is, make it a point to get to know them. They are they are goodness. They are inclusion. They are everything that I want Simply Cyber to be. They are just phenomenal. And it all stems from their leader, John Strand, who, by the way, is going to be the keynote speaker at Simply CyberCon in November. But Anti-Siphon Training is their training platform. They offer all sorts of training. There's a link in the description below that I would encourage you to go check out. Some of their trainings, especially the ones from John Strand, by the way, who is an industry leader in cybersecurity. He has three different trainings that are week-long trainings that are absolutely free or pay what you can. They're pay what you can. And if you can pay $0, pay $0. I've taken his training. Um, active defense and cyber deception it is phenomenal i know many students who have taken his training they love it so go check it out um do me a favor use the link in the description below because i like it, it it keeps track of how many people are clicking on it i just want to show um john and the whole team over there that uh the simply cyber community is supporting and coming on over there all right we got the raffle coming up in a hot second but i want to do the simply cyber community challenge guys Yesterday, my friend and new, newcomer to the show, McKindy Emanuel, took on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you don't know what the challenge is, McKindy's going to tag somebody in chat right now to take the baton. Every single day, somebody in the community gets selected to be the baton holder for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. That person, if they accept this great responsibility, will go on to LinkedIn, post their cyber story, use the hashtag, and then everybody else, go find that post, interact with it, connect, comment, um, emote, whatever, and connect with the poster and the people in the chat. I have seen multiple people tell me that their LinkedIn network and your feed that you're reading on LinkedIn has become much more valuable since starting the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's absolutely free. Don't sleep on this opportunity, guys. All right, let's do it, McKindy. While McKindy's doing that, Jenny Housley, I'd ask, uh, looks like John De La Cruz is good to go up in here, potentially, if McKindy wants to tag John. All right, so while that's happening, let me, um, let me get this going, the raffle. Uh, Jenny, if you can, I'll just uh, rely on you to take it from here on the community challenge. Guys, David Meese is um, raffling off two Try Hack Me vouchers. I'm going to drop this link in chat. This is David Meese. David Meese is a really nice guy. I love me some David Meese, okay? Right now, he's actually teaching a 12-week course. So listen up. If you are interested in getting your Security Plus certification, David is leading a 12-week course with 90 people in it. When, when I say it's affordable, it is ridiculously affordable, okay? Like borderline ridiculous, okay? So no, with all due respect to David, he is doing this as a community service. If you want, he only has 20 slots left on, he only has 20 slots left in his class as of yesterday. The classes start August 20th. 
Just go to the LinkedIn post I dropped in chat, read his post, all the details are there. We're gonna try to fill up David's class, 20 more slots. Um, like I said, in ridiculously affordable, cup of coffee kind of level of affordable, all right? If you haven't put THM into chat yet, uh, you better do it soon because we're about to do this raffle. Here we go. So the winner of David Mises' Try Hack Me Voucher for today is going to be Jay Smith, channel member. Jay Smith has won the giveaway. So Jay Smith, let me know that you get it and uh, connect with David Mies uh, on LinkedIn. And if you don't connect with David, uh, ping me and I can get you with David, okay? Uh, really quick, want to remind everybody that the... Um, the newsletter is back, so if you want to get the newsletter, hold on, I probably should have given everybody another chance. Hey, we're going to do another, uh, we're going to raffle off a second THM voucher, okay? Because I kind of screwed everybody there. Keep, keep it going, we're going to roll another one. So do THM if you want to enter, we're going to roll another one, okay? Now, I really want to tell everybody about the newsletter for a second. If you didn't know, every single week I send out a newsletter on Mondays. Um, it's got three actionable tips. One for your end users and how you can make it actionable. One for your peers, how you action it. And one for your executives and how you action it. Plus, there's a little bonus thing. Like this week, um, TCM Academy was offering a week of free access to their entire platform, right? Hey, David Meese, I'm going to raffle off a second one, too, because uh, I kind of screwed everybody on entering the raffle. Uh, all right, so if you want to get the newsletter, definitely sign up. Don't be shy. All right, so Thursdays is Meme of the Week. Dan Reardon puts one together. I'm from Boston. I say Wicked a lot, and Dan Reardon put this together. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So good. So good. Thank you so much, Dan Reardon, for the um, for the meme of the week. All right, we're going to roll for the THM now. We've got 104 people in there. Let's do it. Cherry Kramer. Sherry Kramer, our second winner. Sherry Kramer, our second winner for today's raffle. Thank you very much, Sherry. Connect with me or David Meese. Uh, Sherry, again, guys. Head on over to David Mises' LinkedIn post and please check it out if you're interested in getting the Security Plus. All right, let's get back to the news. This temporary emergency measure. Last week, Twitter stopped allowing users to view any tweets while not logged into the service. At the time, Chairman Elon Musk characterized the move as a temporary emergency measure to keep third parties from scraping data. Users reported that Twitter began reversing this decision, allowing viewers not logged into the service to view single tweets. Seeing a profile, a public feed, or replies still requires logging in. Daily rate limits on viewing tweets remain in place as well. Can All right, and uh, Kimberly, I, I, had, I had actually pulled two. So Jay Smith also won, Kimberly, if you scroll back in chat. Um, okay, guys, so check it out. Uh, Twitter, Twitter backtracking on something. Here's the deal. This Instagram threads thing, this Instagram threads thing uh, is a Twitter killer. People are upset and irritated. Okay, John De La Cruz accepted the community challenge. Nice, John. Thank you very much. 
Okay, guys. Uh, Instagram threads is potentially a Twitter killer. Um, Twitter has made mistake after mistake, pissed off um, the consumers end over end. Where's my Elon? Elon's all up in here. Um, started charging for APIs, the blue check mark, eight bucks, whatever. People fled to Mastodon. I'm still on Twitter, but here's my thing. Twitter is ripe for challenge. And this Instagram things threads thing has the potential to do it. So Twitter is now backtracking. It looks like they were um, they they made some service that made it easy to scrape content or make the site a little bit easier to use, uh, and they backtracked on it, uh, which resulted in uh, busting various Twitter apps apparently. So this isn't good. Here's the thing, guys. You and me, Jack Scott, Jeff Watala, Leonardo, like we're just regular Twitter users. We're just bumping along, looking at tweets. That if, if you and me and Funky Monk leave Twitter, it doesn't really matter. If TweetDeck leaves Twitter or people who are writing applications for Twitter leave Twitter, then that's a real problem. Guys, think about it for just a second, okay? The value of a platform, I don't care if it's Twitter or the, the telephone, the value of a platform is in the network it supports, right? Like if I invented a telephone, right? And it was the best telephone in the world. It did everything, right? But I'm the only one who owns one. That telephone is worth trash because it's not useful. You can't call anyone if you're the only one who owns it, right? The value of the platform is in the adoption of the platform. If everybody in the world owns a phone, which most people do, guess what? Phones, you can buy them for a thousand bucks, right? There's value in them. The internet, the internet when it first started, it was okay, but it was just universities using it. Not a lot of value. Corporate America, capital, uh, <laughs> um, what is it? Um, oh my God. Um, cap capital, capitalism got a hold of it, marketing, shopping. And now the internet, like we can't live without it, right? It's like super, super, super valuable to have internet. Twitter is busting things and breaking things and moving erratically and they they should be careful because they're going to devalue their platform and when you introduce a competitor into the market this is what free market is okay when you introduce a market competitor into the free market and the consumer turns and goes oh this one is nicer and it doesn't cause problems and and with the instagram integration you're gonna you're gonna instantly have um followers and subs and and, and, and and data and crap like that. You better be careful. We could be talking in two years now. We could be telling our kids about how at one point Twitter was a thing. And they're like, you mean threads, grandpa? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like a little blue bird. We would tweet things in 140 characters. And they're like, wow, take your medicine, grandpa. And it's like, oh, my God. Okay. Microsoft fix ransomware. Speaking of rate limiting, Dark Reading's Adam Shostak makes the argument that rate limiting could be the key to solving ransomware as an industry-wide problem. He puts this potential solution squarely in Microsoft's court. Shostak argues that because Windows uses the Create File API to both create and access files, a Microsoft-instituted rate limit could severely limit the potential damage of ransomware encryption. He argues the OS should use multiple rate limits for different use cases, Things like backup software and compilers would use higher ones, for instance. He fully acknowledges that this opens a can of worms in terms of breaking compatibility into apps and giving administrators more power that could create a larger fault domain. But he argues the high cost of prevalent ransomware attacks makes it worth addressing now. All right. <clears throat> so this isn't bad. I'm glad um, 
I am glad that people, minds, are thinking about solutions um, for ransomware, not just trying to do faster back, is my hair a mess? Not just trying to do faster backups, okay? I appreciate that people are thinking about doing this. So if you look at the way ransomware works, it opens a file, encrypts it, right? Or it has to open the file to encrypt it, okay? So Microsoft is making it so you can't open. It's like basically throttling the time it takes to open more than one file. So this would allow technologies that are looking at files being opened. Also, by the way, just in full disclosure, I did not realize you had to open a file in order to encrypt it. Because like, I'm actually going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to research why this is true. Because in my mind, the file is just data sitting on disk. And without getting into operating systems, there's like a file header, and then there's a you know dynamic link um, pointing to where the next bit of data is on a file. Files don't typically sit sequential on disk. They're all over the place, which is why when we defrag our hard drive, we get better performance because you are able to write the files in, sequ in sequence. But anyways, this isn't an operating systems class. The, the, the point is, I don't see why you have to open the file to encrypt it when you could just, I guess maybe because if you encrypt and you overwrite where the file pointers are, you could cause a problem. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah, so Microsoft isn't doing this. This is a suggestion. I guess all I'm saying is I appreciate that they're looking at the problem kind of from all different perspectives and not just trying to take the one solution and make it better, make it faster. So. Um, it is interesting. It does bring up the point though, that, you know, if you do that, you're going to impact, um, performance, right? And then you're going to make end users pissy. And then you're going to have <gasps> Carl emailing you on the weekend. Like, Oh, I can't open these files. This program's so slow. Blah. Um, the other thing I said would say they noted that like, Oh, there would be exceptions for like backup software and for compilers. Um, here's a fun fact. If I'm a threat actor, the very first thing I do is make my ransomware variant look like a backup solution, or I weaponize a backup solution and make it do encryption, right? Threat actors aren't stupid. They will pivot. They pivot quite quickly, honestly, uh, to adjust, uh, to adjust for security solutions and defensive techniques. So I'm not really you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like if Microsoft did this or any operating system did this and then immediately the threat actors circumvented it. Okay. Tools allow sending external malware to Microsoft Teams. Last month, security researchers at the firm JumpSec showed that malicious actors can change the ID in a post message, allowing Teams to treat an external user. I'm sorry. Hold on really quick. James Randolph does make a good point. It just goes to show you my age. I... Solid state drives do not do defrag. Um, I'm just old, James. <laughs> I'm just old. I grew up on Atari 2600 and big platters spinning at high speeds. It's an internal one. A member of the U.S. Navy's red team published a tool called Teams Fisher to leverage that flaw. The tool provides a fully automated attack method, allowing someone to upload the attachment to the sender's SharePoint and then iterate through a list of contacts. The tool also offers advanced features like sending secure links only an intended recipient can open and an integrated send delay feature to get around rate limiting. No word when Microsoft will patch the issue with Teams. Oh, that's gross. All right, so two things. One, here's a new tool called Team Fisher. 
that looks like it's available. Okay. And it basically this is the this is the gist of it. By the way, this is a really great, like kind of simple to understand technical attack that you could whip out um at a job interview um to to highlight uh maybe an issue or if you were to talk about hey like how do you stay current in the news oh i jo i do simply cyber daily cyber threat brief okay what's a recent news story this is a good one it's a little bit technical too which is nice basically if you change the id and the post request so this is basically packet manipulation so you'd have to get a proxy like burp suite or zap and modify the packet in transit you just change the id and you go from looking like an external user to an internal user, oink, just like that. Trusted, untrusted, trusted, untrusted, right? So this is like a really, um, I would argue, tr I mean, way to go to this red teamer who found it, right? I'm not downplaying the value of the find. I'm just saying the difficulty of making this modification is not very high. Um, and it allows you to bypass client-side protections and deliver malware. Um, so if you're interested, if you're a red team or if you're a pen tester on the chat, um, this tool looks like it's pretty good. Uh, there is a ton of Microsoft Office 365 environments. Here's the link to the story uh, to answer Steve's question. There you go, Steve. Um, ton of Office 365. Me, you, Steve, Jess Bishop, we all know that we hate... Um, Microsoft Teams, but guess what? The CFO, CFO is already paying for Microsoft Teams, or or the CIO is already paying for Microsoft Teams, and they they don't want to pay for Slack or some other solution because they already got it. So Microsoft Teams is here, so that's not going anywhere. Yes, hey Taylor McDonald, I literally almost made a very similar um, joke, but I was trying to be inclusive of all people in chat who may not be able to perform <laughs> that technique. Uh, so Team Fisher, Python-based. Another uh, final thing I'll say on this one, or two things I'll say on this one. One, if you're gonna learn a programming language, Python is a really good one. Uh, you don't have to know how to program to be successful in InfoSec, but if you're going to be on the offensive side, it is uh, likely to really provide value to you. And Python is a really good one to pick up. The other thing I would say is, way to go, U.S. Navy. There was just a story last week about, or two weeks ago, about how the Navy was like, basically, you know, bumping into each other. Like it was a fleet of, just like a fleet of cars bumping in, into each other. And now we got this red teamer just dropping tools. Way to go, U.S. Navy. I like it. Okay, let's keep going. I was with Bing, breaks paywalls. Generative AI tools like ChatGPT can do a lot of things, but remain limited by their training sets. For instance, ChatGPT's cuts off in September 2021. To get around this limitation, OpenAI launched Browse with Bing for ChatGPT Plus subscribers last week. This lets the chatbot search on Bing for more up-to-date responses. However, OpenAI announced it suspended the feature rather quickly. It turns out users asked the bot to pull down full text of paywalled articles, something the chatbot was more than happy to do using Browse with Bing. OpenAI said it will bring back the feature once it irons out that behavior. All right, so, uh, well, hold on. Cat GPT, I know he went to a 9 a.m. meeting, but... Shall we play a game? 
Here is a novel use case for ChatGPT to basically bypass paywalls. Obviously, the paywalls are generating revenue for these businesses. And when we're talking about revenue, Great cash, homie. we're talking about that sweet, sweet cashish. So you know that the big tech companies are going to um, immediately want to stop this, which they did. Uh, way to go, uh, ChatGPT. The other thing I would say, I was on, I saw Carrie there yesterday too. I saw a couple other people. Zach was there. Um, I was on Red Siege's Wednesday Offensive. If you guys don't know about Red Siege Wednesday Offensive, um, and remember, I'm not an offensive security person, but I do enjoy engaging with everybody in the community. I'm going to drop the link in this to chat. Every Wednesday, this is a live meeting. Uh, it's not recorded. It's not made available. It's live. Dave Kennedy... You can see here, Dave Kennedy was the guest yesterday. If you don't know who Dave Kennedy is, he's another one of these like legends, OG elders, super inclusive, loves hugging. I have hugged Dave Kennedy. Um, he was the guest and he said, um, we, we talked briefly about AI and he said that most of the use cases he sees for AI are trivial or um, novel not trivial, novel, novel use cases of AI, not really game changers. So I thought that that was really interesting. This is another novel use of AI, but it's not, you know, paradigm shifting. I do still stand on the idea that we live in the AI age now. We have, we have departed the information age and we now live in the AI age. Um, but I just wanted to share what Dave said in that meeting because I, I respect Dave Kennedy so much Okay, this is a, I, I wasn't here on Tuesday because it was the 4th of July, but on Tuesdays, if you're new here, you don't know this. Every Tuesday, I share a tidbit or a little secret about me so you get to know me a little bit better. I, I, try, I, I, I wanted to ask Dave Kennedy a question yesterday, and I like put it in chat, and I was wicked nervous. I was like, I was like anxious and shaking and little tummy butterflies and stuff like that. At Wild West Hackenfest, Dave spoke. I went up to him and spoke to him afterwards. Like basically, like I told you guys, I get nervous public speaking and stuff. I know I do this and it looks like this is not, not trust me, public speaking, it's a thing. Um, I, I, I got nervous talking to Dave, but I just leaned into it because I think the dude's super cool and I want to not allow my insecurities to limit my ability to, you know, talk to Dave. So anyways, Dave Kennedy, wicked awesome. Respect the hell out of his opinion. Um, someone mentioned Recon InfoSec also in chat. Recon InfoSec's Thursday defensive. For everything that Red Siege is for offensive security people, um, Recon InfoSec Thursday is the same thing for defensive people. I try to attend both, frankly, because I am an equal opportunity cyber lover. All right. What should a cyber job description require and what shouldn't it? All right. So that's going to do it for the news today. Give me a hot second here. Do, do, do. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's news. Give me a hot second. I want to remind everybody. Every single Thursday, just about, <clears throat> I do a live interview with industry experts. I, I want you to go to all of them, frankly, because I think all the people I interview are really, really cool people, really, really great people. Today's guest, Nahamsek, Ben, he is a well-known YouTube content creator, bug bounty uh, professional. He's an educator, he's a trainer, he's got great content. 
He has helped so many people get good at bug bounties. He is a hacker. He's engaged with the red team. We're going to get into all of it today. I really, really would strongly encourage you all to make it, um, to me, it's appointment viewing, okay? Like this, I, when I got Ben as a guest, I was like, woo, yeah, baby. Like John Hammond, we had a couple weeks ago, another appointment viewing guest. We got Ipsec coming up the week after next. This dude is cool. I am like a bug bounty baby. Or not like a where where I want ketchup. Not that kind of baby, but like uh, my my I'm a I'm a neophyte, right? I'm like, you know, put me in a sandbox and let me play with bug bounties. This guy's like ripping into, you know, whatever. Like whatever you put in front of him, he rips apart. So we're gonna get into it with him for an hour today. I can't wait. I'll drop a link in chat. Um, you're you're not gonna want to miss it. Believe me. And if you don't know who this guy, like, put it this way. If you don't know who this guy is, like if this is the first time you're hearing about this guy, you absolutely should come to this because if you know who this guy is, you know who this guy is, okay? And if you don't, like you really should know him. He's like, he's legit, okay? Yeah, Ipsec, Jesse Johnson, two weeks from today, the 20th. It's like, I got I got John Hammond, Nahamsek, and Ipsec coming on stream, no big deal. I'm, I'm joking. It's absolutely a huge deal, Jesse. Yeah, hey, Space Tacos, the wham wham, I want ketchup. It's like an inside joke of my family. When my oldest son, who's three years older than my youngest son, um, was like four or five and pretending and making fun of his brother, who was a baby at the time, he he pretended to be a baby and he was like, wham wham, I want ketchup. So it just it's a go-to for me. Look at this, Tidbits Thursday, dropping tidbits. All right, guys, as a reminder, um, we're here every single day at um, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Even when the school year starts, for those who don't know, I teach in the at the Citadel Military College every fall and spring and summer. I'm actually teaching right now. And uh, I've moved my teaching schedule to accommodate Simply Cyber Community, so it'll be 8 a.m. every day. Jesse Johnson's PJPT certified? What? Hold on. Come, hold on. Come on. Jesse Johnson, PJPT certified. Jesse talking to um, Jesse talking to web apps about hacking them. Catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, Jesse, catch those web apps outside. How about that? Congratulations, my friend. All right. Uh. So I think I said everything I wanted to say. Uh, if you all want, uh, apologies to Base Case and NCC Group for going 13 minutes over. But uh, if it's okay with everybody, I'd love to jaw jack for, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. You guys are down. If you got a boogie, I totally understand. Be good. Have a great day. Hopefully we'll see you at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time for the, um, the guest interview. But... With all due respect, I'd love to hang out for 10 minutes. Yep. That's going to be Jesse's, like, hacker handle. How about that? Um, another pen tester for the live streams? Yeah, Leonardo. Yeah, it's like, it's pen tester time up here at Simply Cyber. I love it. 
Cool. All right, Jazzy Jazz. Let's do it. Um, things that are going on. Um, I'm, I'm starting to push, the, not push, but tell everybody about the newsletter. I have an interesting thing. So if you guys remember, I, um, I asked the community, how many people are here? 204. I asked the community if you guys, because the newsletter platform costs $1,100 a year. I asked the community, Hey, do y'all mind if I start putting a link in the newsletter that if you click on it would, would basically ultimately result in, um, an affiliate fee for, for the channel. And overwhelming, like 96% of you said it was cool. You could see here, um, I always put it at the bottom so as to allow you guys to get the most value without having to click on the link. The link's right here. It's under the support the newsletter section. It's going well. So if you look at um, $1,100 and you divide it by 52 weeks in the year, because presumably I'll send 52 newsletters out a year, it works out to $21 a week. This, this newsletter right here, by clicking the links, you can see it has made $26, okay? So I guess 21 people clicked on the link. So for those 21 people, thank you incredibly. But the point is, as long as it's, as long as it's above $21, um, then the $1,100 platform will pay for itself. So um, for the people, I, this is like an update uh, based on that newsletter thing. Just I want to I like being transparent with y'all when it comes to these things. So, um, all right, I'm getting some I'm getting some uh, constructive feedback from my marketing team. Thank you. That's a good idea. So I'll make it a little bit easier for people to find. If you want to support the channel, uh, CJ Irby, if you want to subscribe to the news channel, um, to the news channel, to the newsletter. Oh, you can see it right there. Kimberly, um, Kimberly dropped it. Nightbot says it. You can see it right there. Irby, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. No IDK. They're pretty good. I think I think it can only be clicked once. It's probably tied to your IP address or something or your session. Leonardo, if you click it, like, see, I'm going to click it. If you click it, it comes up with a web page. Uh, it's basically a blog post. By the way, I don't just randomly pick these. I actually pick ones that I read and I think are interesting. I thought this was interesting. Um, obviously it has an infographic. I, Leonardo, uh, I'd be interested from a pen tester perspective. Clicking on it isn't enough because I can see how many people click this link, um, through the newsletter platform. And it's always a, a number higher than the number of clicks that the, uh, platform that that's paying, um, says. So it must have something to do with like time on site or, or so, I, I don't know. So, I mean, typically what I do is I click it and I scan it. And then if it looks interesting, I read it. And if not, I just move on. So that's that's the update with that. So again, thanks everybody for helping keep that newsletter going. Obviously, thanks so much to Dan Reardon on that. Uh, Simply CyberCon. Um, as an update on that. This is November 8th. We're really, really excited by not only IT... We're really excited about this. I want to remind everybody that on November 7th, the day before, so on November 7th, um, we will have workshops. One is wireless hardware hacking, which we're going to have to get a, in ahead of time because uh, you'll actually have to get hardware mailed to your house. Mike Miller is going to do a LinkedIn workshop. And Charles Finfrock, our own Charles Finfrock, 
He's going to be doing a practical OSINT workshop, so look forward to that. What's an SMB vulnerability? That's server message block. It's um, it's in the Windows operating system. It's how the double pulsar or the eternal blue. Um, I guess Jazzy Jazz, look up eternal blue vulnerability. And um, here, let me just do it for you. Look this up, Jazzy Jazz. This should answer it. I'm like 98% sure that Eternal Blue took advantage of SMB. Okay, Jack Scott is going to be doing... I think Jack Scott's going to be doing a workshop also on... Um, well, I'm not going to tell. I know what it's going to be on, but we'll, um, we'll leave it as a surprise to you. I do have... I'll give you a hint, okay? I'll give you a hint using emotes only. So if you're listening on audio only, you're not going to see this. I'll give you a hint. Jack Scott's doing a workshop on something to do with that. All right. <clears throat> what other wins people got? I can't wait for Cyber Simply CyberCon either. Hey, Exists. Good to see you on Team Replay. I've been sleeping like trash, guys. Fun fact. <laughs> oh, hey. Um, I got a fun one for you. Um, if you guys are interested. Next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we're doing another Haiku Pro follow-along. So... There is a range on Haiku Pro called Haiku Pro 101, and it's a range that I was involved in developing, and it's literally super focused and designed on helping anyone understand what CTFs are and how to participate in them. Capture the Flag Contest, commonly referred to as CTFs, are an awesome way to work on your skills, to uh, professionally network inside our community, and to learn. And they're a lot of fun, but they can be wildly intimidating to people. So this stream, and I've done this stream once before, will allow you, it'll be absolutely free for you to get on the Haiku Pro platform and play this range with me. So if you want to play along with me on your own computer, so you'll have the browser up on one side, and then you'll have my face on the other, and you can follow along, and I'll explain everything. It'll basically be a workshop on how to do CTFs, Join me on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. I'll, I'll drop a link in chat. I'm like super pumped. I love when I do these like follow along tutorial things. They're wicked fun. Nick Barker talking about <laughs> the sticky icky. Sticky icky icky. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. Um... Don't sleep on contract work, people. You can get the same salary gains without job hopping negatively. Good call. Good call. Jamie Flex, what's up? Yeah, so David Robbins asks if you can passively observe the CTF. Absolutely. What I would love, what I would love is, you know, last time I did this, I think I had a hundred people on stream with me in chat. And 40 of them were following along with me. And 60 of them were just hanging out, watching. Um, some of them have done it before. Some of them are already experienced with CTFs and didn't want to, you know, learn uh, basically how to do a CTF. 
So there's different uh, reasons, but it'll be a good time. I usually play, um, you know, decent music, and uh, it's super chill. That's my thing. Like, during the news brief, or, or, you know, during the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, I'm, like, on, right? I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm doing a threat briefing. The, the play-alongs, like, that's me chilling and having fun, so I like it. Oh, cool. Thanks. CTF Time has a bunch of stuff on their website. That's good. Guys, you know who I'm going to be uh, working with a little bit here? Probably in the fall. Uh, any quick resources to prep for a sysadmin interview? Linux or Windows? Like, what, what kind of system are, are you administering? Yes, Andy McPherson. The video, the stream is designed for noob people to watch and understand a CTF. If you haven't watched one of my, like, learn streams... You know, I, I educate all the time. I love teaching. I love talking about cyber. I it, I deliberately break it down to a level that allows anyone and everyone to absorb it. CYB Rob with the super chat. Where is it? Why is that so low? Hold on. Is that really low for you guys? It's like super low for me. I, I don't. I don't. Oh, my gosh. Is that volume low? Thanks so much, CYB Rob, for the super chat. Definitely appreciate the support on the channel. Zach Hill, my man. What's up, bro? Good to see Zach Hill in chat. Zach, we already did the news report for this morning. So now we're just doing what we call jaw jacking. It's about 10, 15 minutes of, you know, whatever. Hangout, AMA, coffee talk. Thank you, Jenny Housley. Since Zach here... Since Zach Hill is here, and I am wearing a TCM shirt, let's do this for a hot minute. Ooh, look at this. All right, so guys, right now, if you didn't know, TCM Security Academy is offering... Actually, this, 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 this deal is probably expired at this point. Well, whatever. You know what? I'm just going to drop a link in chat anyways. This TCM Security Academy is a great platform. Uh, they do run specials from time to time. My course, the GRC Analyst Masterclass, is also on the um, on their platform. You can see um, they have changed their pricing model. So for 30 bucks a month, you get access to everything on the platform, including this hotness. Look at this guy right here. Woo. Oh my gosh, wow. Woo. I got the vapors. I do declare. All right, so go check out TCM Academy. Great content, great instructors, great mission, great company. You know who just started working over there? Joe Hudson. Simply Cyber Community friend Joe Hudson is over at TCM. So Alex Katsanos asks if there is a playlist. I do not really have... Um, I mean, I could give you this playlist if I wanted. I did recently release a Simply Cyber Hip Hop Deep Cuts playlist for folks, if you're into that. If you're into the, into the, um, is Zach Hill still here? Zach, you see who my guest is later today? Nahamsek, bro. So Aspect CyberSec wants to know, Brian Waterbury wants to know updates on the new studio. Yeah, so check this out. The new studio... Um, I, you know, I've been, I've been in my in-laws, um, for like four or five weeks. Um, 
The studio is done. It's got HVAC. It's got electrical. It has floors, walls. The paint is up. The studio is ready to rock. I could move into the studio today if I really wanted to. However, Mrs. Osier, she is a wizard with, um, with like hammers and nails and carpentry. Like, guys, if it doesn't have a keyboard plugged into it, I'm kind of stupid, okay? But Mrs. Osier, she dominates, and she's actually building custom built-ins for the studio, and uh, she's doing some trim work and stuff like that. So we have a little bit of um, quality of life construction left, but after that, we are hot. We are locked and loaded. So I'm hoping to get in there uh, maybe right before or right after Black Hat. So that's the update on that. I am super excited. Oh, thanks, Zach Hill. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to him. All right, so Cyber Shinjami wants to know, sysadmin for Windows VMware Azure training. Okay, hold on. So Leonardo sent some stuff. I'll pull up in a second. Um, have a good one, Ali, uh, Andy McPherson. Good to see you. Uh, hey, Leonardo, I'll pull those up in chat in just a second. Um, so if you're going for a sysadmin position on Windows, VMware, and Azure, you know, I don't know when your interview is, but Microsoft has amazing free Azure training, right? So, if so, if I saw a job posting for Azure and I applied to it, the very first thing I would do is consume all the Microsoft Azure training I could possibly get. You're getting it directly from the source. It's comprehensive and it's absolutely free. That's my first thing. Second thing, Windows. There's an extensive amount of Windows sysadmin training out there. It depends on what level of depth you're getting, but um, you could easily. Trying to think, does anyone know? I don't like Cyber Aces used to be pretty good, but they've uh, retired Cyber Aces, so I'm not sure. All right. Um, hold on. Let me go to the Discord. Oh, Sean Washington. I didn't know he changed his name. So, Sean, I would definitely go for. Um, I would go for that Azure uh, training over at Microsoft and then. I feel like at this point, there's a ton of like Windows admin. VMware, I don't have a lot of um, experience or training on. Okay, so hey, uh, Leonardo shared in chat um, training for the Taggart Institute. Pyth oh my gosh. I can't really. Python for Defenders Part 1 and Python for Defenders Part 2. This looks cool. By the way, as much as I'm a sucker for infographics i love 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 like 80s retro synthwave vibes so i'm dropping this in chat this is for leonardo dropping it in discord thanks leonardo if he's dropping it it's good okay i stand by leonardo july 11th i will squeeze in some microsoft trainings with my sisa plus training oh the interview's july 11th five days dude you got time you got time. Diadem of Agility. If you're asking me what my username on LinkedIn is, it's Gerald Osier. I'm not very <laughs> I'm not very mysterious on socials. Here's my uh, here's my link or whatever you want to call it. There you go.
All right, guys, solid jaw jacking. We had a Zach Hill sighting. We did some questions and answers. Leonardo dropped some, uh, some, some courses. Oh, so good, Jesse. Jesse Missigan, if you are really into retro synthwave, definitely the Midnight, definitely um, Time Cop 1983, FM84. Oh, very cool. Oh my God, guys. Here's another Tidbits Tuesday. I think I'm gonna go to a Midnight concert. Ooh, like so excited. I'm gonna get VIP tickets for me and Mrs. Ozier. Like it's 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 tentative. It's it, there's a lot of logistical things that have to happen because we have you know kids and dogs and life and stuff. Um, BTL one cert is great. I'm gonna start working with Let's Defend.io. Also, I don't know if you guys know them, but uh, I had a meeting with them yesterday. I talked to them. I like their platform. Yeah, right, Jesse. Seriously so cool i love the net who didn't look for like a hidden button on applications after watching the net all right i'm just pulling up the midnight's uh oh yeah see here's their current schedule Atlanta, Nashville, Memphis, San Antonio, Chicago, Buffalo. So cool. They're doing Mexico at one point to end the end the concert uh, tour. I love the midnight. I freaking love the midnight. All right, guys. Oh, cool. I'm glad you guys love Let's Defend. I am going to be working more with them. They're going to be giving me a discount code to share with everybody. All right, guys. I still have a full-time job. So until I, until I free myself of that burden, <laughs> I can't have longer jawjacking sessions, but... Uh, love, loved, uh, loved the show today. Thanks so much. The net jazzy jazz is a movie with Sandra Bullock. I think it was 1995. Yep. 1995. Give this guy a cigar. It's like one of the early, um, like hacking cybersecurity type movies came out the same year as the movie hackers. Uh, coincidentally, it's a good one. It's an action thriller. It's very, it's still, it whole, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And like the technology and the way it's done doesn't hold up today, but the concept, this movie could easily be remade in today's day and age and it would be a, a banger. Yes, Jesse Johnson. I did thank the midnight in my dissertation. That is a fact. I'll just tell you guys, well, this is more for Jesse than anyone. If you didn't read my dissertation, but, um, like getting a PhD, the dissertation phase is an incredibly lonely, exhausting, emotionally impactful experience. And the midnight uh, was very critical in my successful journey through that experience. All right, CYB Rob, thanks so much. Guys, I'm going to get going too. 
You guys are the Simply Cyber community. I'm Gerald Dozier. This is Wicked Fun. Thank you all so very much for being here today. I look forward to seeing you all at 4.30 p.m. later today. If you can't make it, well, then we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. But until then, where is my feed? There it is. Until then, be good and stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.